You are listening to the Soar Above Cancer podcast, episode 106, The Forgotten Generation Young Adult Cancer Thrivers, with your host, Gabrielle and Alex. Hello, fellow cancer thrivers. Welcome to this week's episode of the Soar Above Cancer podcast, a podcast dedicated to finding the strength to not only survive a cancer diagnosis, but thrive at living one's life with cancer. Alex and I are both very excited to be talking about young adult cancer this month because it is something that we are passionate about that of course we've experienced ourselves. Yeah, so we actually decided to dedicate an entire month to young adult cancer. So today we're going to kind of start things off with our take on what this topic is, where it should go, what it means to us, and then we'll uh, we'll have a, a lot of really interesting guests this month join us. So don't forget to tune in for all of this month's episodes because I think it's going to be a pretty interesting, interesting month. But maybe we can just dive right in. Yeah, I mean, before we step into it, I'm just going to echo your sentiments. They're really excited for this month to discuss a lot of what we might call the forgotten generation and a lot of the premier guests that we're going to have on to really discuss a lot of the opinions around young adults and cancer. But in general, when we look at the cancer population that is occupied by what we want to call AYA, so adolescents and young adults. I don't really like generalizing it and setting a population or an age range, but I mean, if we had to, it's generally around the teens to maybe your late 30s, early 40s, maybe 15 to 39 years of age. But I also like including early 40s in that as well, because a lot of the demographic within that age range have very similar realities and they have very similar positives and negatives when they go through cancer. So that population is generally just defined as ones that are going through something usually really separate and they're going through their own issues that don't really have the same experience and involvement when you're looking at maybe the younger kids and maybe younger toddlers or the older generation that's sort of in their 50s and older. So we have a lot of similar issues and we go through a lot of similar sort of realities. We can get in that in a second, but what is sort of your take on what the population and what that area looks like, Gabrielle? I guess I'm biased when I say that. I find that this community, this population, this age group, I guess, in oncology is quite a dynamic group because we find ourselves in a moment, a period in our lives where we might have young families or we might be in school, starting our careers, dating. There's so much going on. We might be moving away from home, uh, moving moving into our first house, getting married. There's like so many big events that goes with the age group that we're talking about, the 15 to 39-ish, that this this community, the people that make up this population are so diverse and so interesting, I find. And as much as we connect on so many different issues, because we understand each other in a certain way, we are also so very much different from one another, which makes it so interesting to be a part of this really cool and lovely community, I find, is that we're, we're very unique and it adds to the fun. So when I think of AYA cancer population, I really think of a diverse group of people that have their own things to deal with because life just happens as well as they are very 
unified in the sense that they're dealing with cancer at a point in their lives where things change. And I think that is one of the main main topics that comes up when we talk about young adult cancer is that you're in a period of change and then this just adds to it. Whatever that change is for you in that moment, because that varies. It's a good point you make that it's that period of your life where there's a lot of change. It's the way I would describe it is just a transitional period in life where there's so many, there's so many decisions that you make and it, there's not necessarily one direction you have to go when you're an adolescent or a young adult, but you have this path that you're sort of striving towards and what makes it so complex in that cancer population is now you have to make decisions. And a lot of the time, those decisions veer you off of that path. And there's a lot of resources that we look to sort of that are sought after. And sometimes they're available and sometimes maybe they're not. And that's a lot of what we plan on talking about within this month is sort of where do we find those resources? What can we, what can we do to sort of better our lives as young adult cancer thrivers? And the next topic we want to get into really is, is what are our realities as AYA cancer thrivers? Yeah, so I guess my reality as a, a young adult living with cancer, I, diagnosis is really much university life and school life. I was 19, so that was a huge transition period for me as in I was away from home for the first time for the, like two years before I had moved out of my home 800 kilometers from my parents' house to go to school. And here I was making friends, dating, all of these things were kind of happening in my life and cancer happens. So I was in, a, I was very young when I was diagnosed as a young adult, 19 is pretty young in that sense. And I was very much living the reality of a 19 year old or most 19 year olds of school and friends. And I will add some party fun type of activity in there because that was my reality. We were, we were university students. So the image that you associate with that was kind of what we were living. Me and my friends were living day to day. So that was kind of the reality that I had when I was diagnosed um, as a young adult living with cancer. When you hear the words, you have cancer, that first of all, it's the last thing you think you're ever going to hear. I don't know about you, Alex, but I was not expecting cancer. I was expecting everything else but cancer. No. And when I heard the words, you have cancer, my reality changed a lot. So financially, psychologically, mentally, physically, socially, like the list goes on and on of ways in which my life changed. My reality as someone living with cancer at 19 changed from that of my peers who did not have the same or did not, were not diagnosed with cancer. What about you, Alex? Mine isn't a whole lot different from yours in the sense that I was only a year older when I got diagnosed. I was 20. I was somewhat established as a university student just in the sense that it was my third year of university and I had somewhat of an idea of what I wanted to do in, in terms of a career. So it was transitional because I was sort of focusing on the future. But since it was the third of four years, I wasn't too focused on what I had to do moving forward. But socially, I was, I want to say, in a really prime position where I was making a lot of friends. I luckily had sort of ended things with someone I was seeing a week prior to being diagnosed, which in my personal opinion, 
was was beneficial. I didn't really want to have to drag someone through this. A lot of people have different opinions on that. And I don't want to say that there's a good or bad reason to keep somebody around. That was just my personal opinion was I was happy I went through it with a different support system. And it was just my priorities. I've said this a million times were really skewed. I was focused on missing school as opposed to my health. So that's kind of the funny thing that I think a lot of realities and a lot of priorities are different when you're a young adult as to when you are either a child or you're a lot older. So you have a lot of different opinions on things. So that was my reality, very similar to yours, just trying to find my place in life and now having to focus on something that I never anticipated. I mean, when I first entered the hospital and I was running through my tests, the initial doctor had mentioned that he thought it was mononucleosis. And, you know, now it was like this, in retrospect, why didn't I just get that? That would have been perfect. But we are where we are today because of what happened. And that's totally fine. But our realities as AYA cancer drivers are different. We deal with a lot of transitional periods. I'm not at the point where I have a family or I have too many finances to worry about where I feel like I'm struggling. But I know that is a reality for many young cancer thrivers. And a lot of the times, you know, I feel bad that I have to see a lot of my close friends deal with these things on a regular basis, or they're dealing with fear of reoccurrence a lot more so than myself. So I feel lucky in the sense that we're able to talk about this. But there's a lot of young cancer thrivers that are dealing with realities that aren't experienced or are magnified because of cancer that a lot of our counterparts that aren't diagnosed with any type of cancer have to deal with. I think another difference with young adults living with cancer is that like many other age groups, like our, our, our cure rates are still quite high. We have a good remission rate. Like, of course it depends. It, it varies between cancers, but overall I think we we're doing good in that sense. We're in a period of our lives where physically we might be healthier and more capable of of battling some of this. Not that I like the word battling, but of of going through some of this physical kind of cancer disease type of thing. 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years in front of us. Like if you're diagnosed at 15, you have your whole life in front of uh, in front of you. And the fact that you're diagnosed with this changes everything. So our reality changes not just for the the three months of chemo or the six months of treatment or whatever you're doing. It changes forever, which is something that we are dealt with dealing with because the medical system is not necessarily equipped for us to be dealing with it for that long at a psychological level, a mental, social, financial level. And as well as physically, there are side effects of cancer that are unknown to people, to anyone down the road. We are a, I guess, new generation, a growing population in oncology that will mean that eventually we'll know some of these side effects, we'll know some of the impacts of cancer 50 years later. Right now, it's not as well studied. So our reality doesn't last only a few years. It is our reality for a long time. And I think that needs to be considered because that impacts all of this the decision you may, we make. You talked about fear of recurrence. That is a huge one. So many young adults fear 
cancer recurrence or fear a second diagnosis or whatever that fear may be around cancer, but fear cancer. And that is part of the rest of your life, unfortunately. And we need to learn how to deal with it. That was all really well put. And the one thing that I want to build upon that I really like to hear is physically, I think we're at that point where we are in a very prime state of health for the most part prior to diagnosis. So I think emission rates are as high as they are. And then we look at the mental side of things. We have, like you said, 40, 50 years ahead of us for the most part to look forward to. And I think, at least from my perspective, and hopefully looking forward to all young adults living with cancer, we have that sort of goal in mind when we look forward. So mentally, we have a lot to focus on. We have a lot of goals to set. And hopefully that puts us in a positive mindset. Now, whether you want to put those goals to help the cancer community, or you just want to veer off of that path and focus on your own personal goals, I still think it brings that and sheds that set of light on your situation. And you think, okay, well, I'm in this position now, but I have a lot to look forward to. Whereas I think when we look at an older population, a lot of the times they just don't have the heart and it's difficult to push forward, I guess, at that sense when maybe there isn't a goal in mind. And I'm not trying to to make any stereotypes, but I think it's better when we're in our position and we have a lot to look forward to and that goal in mind. And since there is that early stage of we don't necessarily know a lot of side effects as young adults, it gives us so much to research and research and it gives us so much to look forward to and focus on when we're in that survivorship phase. So what are the major differences between young adults living with cancer? What might be faced by other cancer thrivers? I think when we look maybe in the younger generation, in a sense, it's a disadvantage and maybe it's not. But I look at maybe when you're a, you're a toddler or you're sort of a younger adolescent or a child, I don't think you have the ability to understand a lot of what you're going through. So in a sense, I think that gives you an advantage because you're kind of just pushing through. There isn't a lot of mental focus. There isn't a lot of maybe physically you're, you're not feeling your best. But at that point, you are kind of just going through the motions because you have to. The only unfortunate part is that a lot of that childhood might be taken. And that's something you never want to see for anybody. But when you're a young adult with cancer, there's a lot of psychological and psychosocial distress that you're dealing with in a general sense as a, as a young adult. And when this extra gets added on, it's, it can be torture and it can be so much more to deal with. So we understand our realities. And I think that gives us an advantage in the sense that we can control them. But it also gives us that extra stress that already we don't necessarily need. So when we look at that population, I think that's a very major difference. When we look at the older population, I think we referenced it a little, but we have higher emission rates. We have higher cure rates. We have a lot to look forward to as young adults. And it gives us that advantage because we can push through and we can see the light on the other side. But it's also nerve wracking because we're thinking, well, I don't want to be taken out of my prime. I don't want to miss all of these golden years that I can enjoy myself. And that's the reality I think a lot of us sit in. And there's not really a lot of advice on that, but to think, let's focus on getting ourselves better and enjoying the time that we do have. And maybe we can look forward to the future and focus on making that better. That's a lot of the, that's the major differences that come to my head when we look at those populations. Is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? 
Well, I think that what we face as young adults might be very similar to other age groups living with cancer. The difference is that in our state, in our in the period of the of our lives right now as young adults, things are almost amplified. So when we talk about financial burdens, we don't have necessarily parents to support us. We don't have necessarily a partner to support us. We're kind of in limbo sometimes between being financially taken care of by our parents as kids and or the state, as a matter of fact, depending on where you are, or being taken care of by a lifetime of work that you've done or by a partner or family that cares for you. So not that we don't have families. My family, for example, really took me back in. My parents did and really helped me financially. But we know that overall young adults living with cancer face extreme hardships when it comes to financial problems because they're in a period naturally in their lives where financially things aren't amazing. They might be looking for jobs, starting a career, going to school, etc. So I think that a lot of what we face is just kind of times 100. Sometimes it feels like it from the inside perspective, but Mm -hmm. it's just amplified, I think, by the fact that we are in this position in our lives. So when we talk about differences, I don't think it's necessarily in what we face because I think everyone will face the psychological problems, the the physical hardships, the financial burden, et cetera, et cetera. But as young adults, I think that we face it so much more than other groups and even than our peers the same age as we are. Yeah, I agree. And, and if we look personally at yourself and in my experience, which of these realities that we discussed have impacted our lives the most? I would say that cancer, and I've said it before, cancer was more difficult psychologically, mentally, than it ever was physically for me. And not that I would, again, do the physical part, not at all, but no. mentally things have been difficult because you don't necessarily have the services to help you with that part. When you go to the cancer center, that's not the first thing they ask you. They don't refer you back to someone. They don't have the resources to do that. You're kind of stuck without anyone taking care of that psychological side of cancer, which is huge, without any the proper help, unless you go out and you find it. And that sometimes is possible, sometimes it's not possible. So for me, the reality that was the most important and has impacted my life the most has been on a psychological level, anxiety, depression, fear of a cancer recurrence. All of those things, those psychological aspects of cancer have been, have impacted my life the most really. What about you, Alex? I agree with you. I think I would like to add similar to you in terms of psychosocial, I think was just having, not necessarily having the best social more and just having that taken away. So I generally, I, I genuinely took a lot of the two years that I was going through and dealt with my friends that I normally dealt with. I stuck with my main support system. I didn't necessarily veer towards any other cancer thrivers just because I personally wasn't ready to, to get involved in that. But I also felt because I ignored 
I still wasn't physically or menti- mentally able to go out with my friends and as much as I would have liked to. So I feel like for two years, I was in a limbo where I didn't make as many connections as I would have liked to. And that drove to just fear of missing out on things. So that was the main concern with me. And that's very similar to yourself in the mental aspect and not having maybe that support system in terms of what I wanted at all times and, and maybe not being as social as I would have liked to that was very damaging and it kind of set me back at first. And then very similar, I think body image on more of a shallow level. I just, you know, when you take steroids and you lost a lot of weight, but I gained a lot of weight in my face because it retained a lot of water. It affected me a lot. I didn't think it would, but it was just really discouraging a lot of the time when, you know, you just, you'd want to look yourself and you don't, it seems like you look in the mirror and it's somebody else. And it didn't affect me as much as I think others. I didn't feel the effects physically as much as I know a lot of our fellow cancer thrivers do, but it was enough to cause a lot of distress. So I can imagine amplifying that on a larger level and gaining or losing weight at a rapid pace. It's just not ideal for anybody. So what about resources? We have, we've talked a lot about what barriers we can face as young adults living with cancer and I'm sure anyone listening can relate to these. But how do we find solutions or resources to help us through those those barriers and kind of overcome those barriers? It's on our onus as young adults because we're in this situation where we are forgotten on in certain aspects of things, whether it's intentional or not. I think we have to take a, a very proactive approach to getting the word out there. I think we need to reach out to our oncologists, to anybody, any practitioner in our hospitals, anyone that we have available to us and make it known the issues that we're facing and not hope to just find them out of sheer luck. So for myself at Princess Margaret Hospital, I was lucky enough that my oncologist was very aware and very involved in research and knew a lot of resources to get involved. And I was paired with a social worker very early and he helped me immensely. But a lot of things that aren't available in maybe more remote parts of the country, I think that's a big issue, especially if you're living in areas where there is one hospital and only one available set of resources. So I know it was very much proactively involved in telling people what I had to deal with. But there was a lot of different classes on mindfulness, different classes and activity centers I can get involved in. I know there's Wellspring activity centers all over the country and there's sort of a national organization that you can get a lot of resources and a lot of activities and events for free if you sort of get involved. And obviously we've talked about Yak a ton and we'll continue to do so, but that is just one set of resources. So it's in general, there is that lack of resources because our generation isn't as I get it. We could say it's not as large in population, but that wouldn't be true. We yeah. just don't have as many resources for some reason. And that's that gap we're trying to bridge. But in a general sense, I think we really have to be proactive, get the, get, get the resources and get the word out there in terms of what we need. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree. I think there are some resources. There are some really great resources out there for young adults living with cancer. That being said, they're not necessarily always known by the medical system or people that we go turn to for answers. 
And that I think ends up being a barrier to us accessing the services that we need. You really need to go out and look for something when you feel the need that as a young adult and what you find might not be specific to your age group, which kind of is discouraging. I think I personally don't see myself going to certain activities like oncology kind of activities because it's not with people that I can relate to. They're not people in my age group, things, people living very different realities than I am. So I think that again, like Alex said, there's a lot of resources out there, a lot. There's some resources out there, some really good resources out there. We just need to add to those and make sure that those start being known Similar to resources and how to sort of seek them out, how does one really reach out to AYA Cancer Thrivers in any realm? I don't know. That's a really tough question. I participated in a study a few weeks back, almost two months back actually, for young adults living with cancer in Montreal. And we discussed resources and it was really to learn more about resources and what we use, what we needed, et cetera, our experiences. And there were a lot of organizations there with us that day. So there was young adults living with cancer and then the resources. And we had this conversations around how do how does an organization or someone reach out to the young adult cancer population? And that was a really tricky question. We talked about things like having almost like a stamp to identify a YA-approved resources so that we don't have to look forever to find something. We talked about using social media, community building. Like We talked about a lot of things, but what is actually realistic and what would work? I don't know. I think it's a big question that I hope someday we have answers for or some answers for. Yeah. What do, what do you think, Alex? I think similar to what I was mentioning earlier and what to your, to what you're saying, it's, it's not, there's no defined way, especially if you're in remote areas can be different because you know, it's a very large populous city. There's a lot of resources that can be sought out in a lot of these organizations or groups that meet every couple of weeks or once a week, they tend to situate within larger populations in cities, but it's really no one stop shop, which is unfortunate. I mean, the one that comes to mind is with Leukemia Lymphoma Society, they have sort of a first connections program where you can reach out to them and they can pair you with someone similar age who's gone through that, whether you're a supporter or whether you're a thriver, and you can kind of make that connection and continue on. But again, that's if you're living with sort of a blood cancer reality. So there isn't one decision or one organization or resource I can think of. It really just starts with being proactive, um, speaking within your hospitals and seeing if there are resources or other cancer thrivers available to speak with. There isn't that one solution. And that's really what I think us as activists in the general community really want to seek out. Another key topic in the young adult cancer thriver community is the lack of research for our age group. How studies do not research what we go through as young adults living with cancer. We don't have studies who concentrate on on our realities and what can make those realities a little bit better. So 
we thought that it might be interesting to just kind of brainstorm what might be the most important question that we have um, to ask, which is a big one, for other researchers to maybe ponder. So what would be our most important question? I think what is necessary to find out is what are the main issues that young adult cancer thrivers go through and how do we select or create resources to combat them? That's a very vague way of putting it, but I think there's the obvious one of, of cancer research in general and finding a cure. And I think that's one, but I think when you're in the thick of things and you're dealing with cancer and you're a cancer thriver, deal with things that I'm going through on a regular basis. I think that's being done on a small scale, but I think that's the biggest thing that researchers need to look into is how do we combat all of the quality of life and how do we create programs to combat them? Whatever that is to you. I know we've discussed some of them today, the psychosocial aspect, body image, the mental and anxiety that we feel. But I think that's a big question and a big gap in research that we really need to, to consider. What about yourself? I personally think that the one of the biggest questions I would have for researchers to study is how is this going to impact the rest of my life? Because there's a lot of questions once you finish treatment around what can I expect and the unknown is something that I know I find very scary and that others find very frightening as well. So I would like someone to ask themselves, how can we, what can we anticipate in the lives of these young adults moving forward? So are there years that are a little more difficult than others? Are there considerations that we need to take into account? When should a young adult maybe seek more help when it comes to survivorship? Is it when they're, for example, ready to start a family and things kind of come up around fertility and am I able to have kids or how do my treatments impact my ability to have kids or or care for them or et cetera? All of these these issues arise possibly years after the original diagnosis and treatments are over. But those are all things that we might want to, to learn more about so that we can anticipate the needs of young adults and best support them. So that would be one of the biggest questions that I have for, for someone to research. In today's episode, Gabriella and I discuss what we consider the forgotten generation, which is young adult cancer thrivers. We begin by defining the AYA cancer population and bring a comprehensive view as to what are some of the realities that the population in general face and Gabrielle and I's personal experience as AYA cancer thrivers. We identify the major differences that AYA cancer thrivers face as opposed to some of our counterparts in different cohorts and which of these realities have impacted our lives the most. We really discuss the amplified barriers that are brought about as AYA cancer thrivers and really some of the lack of understanding from people that are going through maybe different battles or they're not going through any of these stressors in any sense. We really want to describe what the lack of resources look like, what exact resources are there available, and maybe how do we reach some of these AYA cancer thrivers moving forward. And a big question we end off with is, what are the next steps for research and what are some of the main questions that we need to focus on moving forward? 
This ends episode 106, The Forgotten Generation Young Adult Cancer Thrivers. A big thank you to you, our listeners. You continue to show up as we grow, and it means so very much to us. So if you have questions for us, uh, please do not hesitate to reach out through our the Soar Above Cancer website, as well as the our social media accounts, which are all linked in the show notes. Many smiles to you, and see you next week.